0: Welcome to uh, Loud and Clear, the Richard's Lermuth podcast, where we talk to people who give a shit about advertising. Look at that. Looky there. Are we going
1: to start with that? We're going to start by saying welcome. That's that's how we're going to lead into this whole thing.
0: I'm going to have to learn a lot of languages for this intro. I'm mm. tell you right now. That's good. We velkommen. are a multicultural agency. That's, that's good. true.
1: That's good. Well, I am Brandon Winerti. Um I'm one of the hosts of Loud and Clear, uh, digital strategist on uh, specifically Metro by T Mobile, but also just. Overall for this
0: agency. And then I'm joined of course of course. Okay. Yeah, I mean and you're not one of the hosts, you're the number one host. No. Okay. I'm it, like I'm like third host and we only have two hosts. You're number one in my heart. Mm, there we go. That's what you are. Matt, do you want to talk about yourself? You I, I would love to talk about myself. It's it's one of my favorite pastimes. <laughs> That's all i am say. I'm Matt Villanueva, and I am a creative, uh writer by trade here at Richards Lerma. And you know, we started this podcast to talk to some people about advertising and I'm excited to get this going. Yeah. You have podcast experience. I got podcast experience. You are actually going to interview somebody tonight for your Star Wars podcast.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm interviewing an alien from Return of the Jedi tonight. So we're bouncing from that to Francisco Cardenas, the director of digital strategy for Richard Salero, which is, I think, the same level. They're pretty close to the same thing. Yeah, so that'll be good. But yeah, Matt and I kind of pitched this to our directors as as a, a way for Richard's it's not only show that we can do podcasts, that we want to do podcasts, but also that we want to learn more about advertising and learn more about the people that we work with and the
0: people that we want to work with. That's loud and clear. And today, like you said, we have Francisco Cardenas, he's the Director of Digital Strategy. He talks a lot about advertising in general, data, we even get to uh, some talking to us about his dad and how his dad was in the industry. Very, very cool. So I'm excited for everybody here. Cool. Francisco Cardenas, the man of many names, the man of many talents. We know him as Pancho, we know him as Cheeto. He's the man here at RL. Also known as digital strategist, the director of digital strategy here at RL. And I'm so glad you decided to sit down with us today. Thank you so much. Thank
2: you for the invitation.
1: I am honored. Right. But this is, we should clarify, and for the listeners, this was Mm -hmm. an an ambush of sorts. It was absolutely an ambush, yes. (laughs) He thought we were just meeting about the podcast, but surprise, this is the first episode of the podcast. Surprise. That's
2: great. That that means you guys
0: are moving fast. That's right. That's That's what we do. We offered him the questions, then we quickly pulled that back, (laughs) and we said, no, 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 no. You know, you know this stuff. You're very familiar with this. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna jump on into your history. I you know, you're a very talented guy, you've got a lot of experience in the industry in multiple countries, and I think the best place for us to start, you know, we we know pretty well, but can you talk to us a little bit about your role here at RL and you know what you're overseeing right now and uh, and, and that sort of thing?
2: Okay. Um, well at Richard Ler and I came a little bit over three years ago um, to work with with Pete and work with All you talented guys to kind of uh, bring together a digital practice Um, we were lucky enough that uh, Pete Lerma had the vision to um, have already jumped into the space with with uh, a full-blown social media practice uh, putting together a war room and kind of going out there on the street and selling the idea of the potential that digital can have I was at the same time at, at other agencies kind of working on that same effort um, and when Pete reached out um, I saw that he was already steps ahead on on what I was trying to achieve. Um, when I came here um, I was given the opportunity to work with very talented folks already in place within Richards Lerma but also given the opportunity to go out and look for talent that could uh, potentially make this. Business vertical growth of the agency. So um, that's how I got started and how I came to to Richard Leno. and It's been a it's been a fun ride for me and it's been a lot of learning from a lot of folks from from the top, uh, from my same level and and even more so under me, uh, bringing great people to work with. That's great. Well, we we did do um, as a.
1: Uh, as a test, we, we went and stopped your LinkedIn a little bit, just to <laughs> see what was going on. And, and you really, if you go through from bottom to top, is a pretty interesting journey from copywriter intern uh, to multiple countries and then ending here. So I'd love first now to, to talk about the Poncho story and like how you got your start, what inspired you in advertising, and then kind of your journey to where you're sitting right now. Yeah,
2: um, well, um, as you guys know, like I, I, I grew up in Mexico City, and really, I was um, always surrounded by the magic of advertising or communication in general. Um, my father worked in advertising, so everything he talked about coming home was uh, campaigns, the excitement of what creative can do for brands. And, and, and at that time, starting to talk about uh, brand planning and how you know, looking for insights uh, was something that could really turn a brand around and make people think of, of products. Um, at the same time, my grandfather was um, working, um, or what he did was work for RCA Victor, which was re- recording studio, so I was kind of always involved in in communication, production, anything that had to do with um, creating content, and then, obviously, with my dad, more focused on brands. Um, so while I was in school, uh, one of my first gigs was working at a radio station, um, and it was a lot of fun. I learned a lot. I used to edit on tape, <laughs> you know, <laughs> kind of like when you used to kind of find, find the, the editing point and you would cut it with a knife and then, uh, or mark it, cut it with a knife and then just build the programs. And my role there was to build the weekend shows. Um, things have changed a lot, like uh, not, as, not as good of an editor anymore. Uh, probably should uh, find the time to, to play with that. And then eventually I ended up, I started at J. Walter Thompson as a recruit from college as a copywriter. Uh, and then I had the opportunity to, to I got an opportunity to come to the University of Texas and that's when when I got into the creative program and eventually graduated and moved on to, to I did a, a, an intern, a couple of internships here in the U.S. and then went to Chicago to Leo Burnett, worked there uh, as a creative and then came back and worked for Omnicom for a couple of years. Um, and then as I saw the industry evolve, um, I saw that content, not, not necessarily the, the traditional advertising formats were the ones that were succeeding, but that content in general, in any of its forms, was 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 grabbing a lot of attention and, and a lot of consumption from from the market or from consumers. So I ended up going to... Um, I loved soccer and sports, and I ended up... Um, uh, jumping into an MBA program in Madrid, uh, mm-hmm. Spain, uh, where I can learn how sports were managed. You know, it's ever everlasting content, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there was a quote that the only thing that won't expire, as TV was dying and all these recording devices were coming coming up. Um, the only thing that would last in a live environment would be news and sports. Right, right. Uh, it's 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 the only content that would not expire. Uh, if, 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 if you see it after the fact, it's not as relevant anymore. Uh, and that's what got me into digital, um, because being in Spain, I was pulled into a, a, a company who was the, the commercial director of the Real Madrid at the time, and we ended up building um, experiences for consumers that turned out to be mostly digital, uh, because of where the where the market mm-hmm. was going and the opportunity. There was a crisis of 2008, remember? Mm-hmm. And it was just very expensive to produce high-value high, high value right, spots right. and stuff like that. It was just easier to go in and do uh, mm-hmm. digital uh, yeah. experiences.
0: And that digital is really interesting to me because I think... I, it, it takes me back to the story where you said your dad was in the business, right? Yes. And can you imagine him trying to do digital and, and, and grasping that and... That would be kind of one question. I would love for you to talk about, you know, maybe his perspective, but also as a bigger, separate conversation. Do you think he wanted you to be in the industry? So that's something that, as a parent myself, you know, and I know you're a parent also. You know, would you want your kiddos to be in the industry? Is it something he he wanted for you? Is that something?
2: <laughs> that's a great question. Um, so I started, I started in business school, and um, but I had the passion for, photography. Like I love art and just right. Maybe I was not the most talented when it came to art, but I could recognize it, and I, I loved to be surrounded by them. And when I came to my dad and told him I wanted to change uh, from business school to communication, he told me I was a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so There's so that, I don't know if that, <laughs> that summarizes his feeling around yeah. it. Uh, but he saw that the industry was changing. He saw that uh, before... Um, you know, an ad man would walk into a meeting and, and the, the, there was more, um, I guess, openness to, to understand where, where mm-hmm. the ad was coming. They used to have uh, uh, investigation departments within ad agencies. And honestly, when, when, when the ad industry started moving to, to, re, to returning profits and this holding companies yep. and everything. Yep. Um, it became more of a results oriented than for the love of the craft and and, and the line and, the, mm-hmm. and, and and he saw that decay kind of happening. I think he saw it and that's why he, that, he that's like, why his reaction mm-hmm. he said pump the brakes a little bit right maybe stay in business yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and then you know as any young guy would do like I didn't listen and that's right and here I am And here you yeah, are and enjoying here you are. it but uh, but you know being part of that change and, and and working with a lot of you guys to try to evolve within the industry. Definitely. I,
1: you were talking a little bit about your experience both in Spain and Mexico and now in America.
2: What is kind of the
1: differences you've seen marketing to, to people around the world, right? Is there a certain way that people react to marketing or is it kind of a, a general sense of the term?
2: I think there's universal insights mm-hmm. uh, that move people. Um, that doesn't change a lot. Um, when it comes, you know, th- it depends what part of the field you're in. But if, if you talk about copywriting, obviously you need to communicate a little bit different mm-hmm. um, insights or what's happening within the culture. As mm-hmm. years pass, you know, c- culture becomes more and more universal. If there's a brand succeeding uh, in in Portland, uh, mm-hmm. more than likely, if they're good enough, they're gonna be successful right. in Mexico. The, the world's or, getting smaller and smaller, right? Like mm-hmm. right. Um, what I, I think something that came to my mind or as, as, as part of my experience was that being in Mexico during the 2008 crisis, I saw Mexico market moving faster into digital, mm-hmm. into the digital space. Mm-hmm. And it was because of a, a lack of money, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, I would see my colleagues, especially in the Hispanic market I'm referring, my colleagues here in the U.S. being slower to move towards digital because they had more money. Mm-hmm. So they were still doing those right, big buys right. in Univision and on big TV networks. Well, we had to kind of reinvent ourselves and say, how do we push the message yeah. out? You're right?
0: maximizing the budget you had at the right. time. Yeah.
2: Right. So um, those are kind of differences that I see. Uh, uh, obviously, culturally, the way we communicate has right. some differences. Do
0: you think that uh, also affects your like, industry experience? Like when you were at those agencies, did you, could you tell a big difference You know, being in the U.S. versus your Spain versus your Mexico time? Like just in the, like in the agency even.
2: Yeah. Um, so, from from where I was standing when I was in the U.S., I would I would see the U.S. as a more organized uh, corporations, right? That there was more structure. When I when I went to Spain or Mexico, um, I had more of the opportunity to be part of the chaos that uh, comes with coming up with process mm-hmm. and and try to figure out how to how to you know build a, a pitch deck that's. That's compelling enough mm-hmm. to sell. That's something that in the U.S. they, I think these guys are the kings. Uh, and actually, at some point, I mm-hmm. repented to go into Europe to, to work, uh, or to learn sports marketing when the kings uh, of marketing and and sports marketing are are here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, do,
0: you, uh, do you think that um, you know we talked a little bit earlier about you making the jump, you know, you moved up from copyright all the way to ECD, and then you jumped over to st- the strategies, the strategy, strategy side. There we go. Yeah. There you go. You guys know what I'm saying. I'm here with my two strategy guys, so <laughs> yeah. they know what I'm saying. Um, can you talk about, you know, how and why you moved over? I think that's an interesting jump, you know, as a copywriter myself, to see that progression for you and just hearing about why you made that decision.
2: Yeah. Um, I was kind of always forced to move into a position um, um, when I started as the role or the title executive creative director is really because uh, when I opened a shop in Mexico that was primarily focused on creative and planning, and I partnered up with a, with a friend of mine, Raul Aguilar, um, um, he had a, a digital, full digital shop, so very development focused, uh, building stuff, and when we partnered, uh, there was nobody to take the role of creative director and that's kind of where I fell. And that also allowed me to work with the tech guys and learned a lot about Mm -hmm. strategy. Um, And then coming back to the US, um, the guy that gave me the opportunity, kind of pushed me to move into the digital strategy field, was Aldo Quevedo, who's Mm -hmm. also a principal here (laughs) at at Rizal Verma, but at the time he was at Mm Dieste. And and they needed somebody who understood uh, digital, uh, but also understood how to connect you know, creative minds right. and, and, and how to build interfaces within the digital space. So mm-hmm. I was always forced to move into <laughs> those positions. Yeah. And you always feel um, um, that insecurity of you know or insecurity that leads you to be curious and be always learning. Like by no means I always have yeah. all the answers or I saw myself as yeah. uh, the guru <laughs> of the you know <laughs> No,
0: I think there's definitely an overlap there, right? Between the creative and the strategy side. And, And I I think it's a a nice, smooth move for you to make. Yeah. Uh,
1: Well, you mentioned yesterday and that was like 2012 that you initially started really focusing on just digital. I would be curious now as as a strategist to see what you think the trend has been for digital from like 2012 Mm -hmm. to where we are right now in 2019. Mm -hmm. What have you kind of seen that growth? Because that's been a very volatile time in social and in digital and display. Everything has changed
2: drastically. Yeah, I don't know what year. So really, I started in digital since two thousand eight, mm-hmm. um, um, like fully uh, in 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 a, in a digital role um, uh, as creative director. But you know, um, in a way that the director of technology at the time reported for some reason to me, and and again, I was very open to say, hey, you do your thing. Let's work together to to build something. And it has evolved tremendously. Um, when I first started at, at what was called Lead to Action, and now part of Nurum, which is part of Publicis, Mm -hmm. um, we did not have a social media department. That's an opportunity that we saw and we we say, hey, we we should get a couple of folks and and put them together. And some of my friends would come into the office and, and, uh, you know, kind of make fun of me because it looked pretty much like a telemarketing (laughs) office. Um, But we were Mm -hmm. trying to push to say, no, these are creative guys and they're trying to build stories and conversations within the space. you know, it's changed tremendously, like right. you guys, I mean, you guys are digital, and, and just from building, uh, you know, the tabs, uh, experiences in Facebook, uh, trying to figure out Twitter, uh, the launch of Instagram, uh, all those things, and you know, trying to jump into them and, and understand them, and then uh, explain how these tools can be useful for brands within an agency structure was a challenge. That, that, I think that was my biggest challenge mm-hmm. in, in Dieste. Um, the, the, the top heads saw the potential, uh, but when it came time for execution, it was very hard for us to, to educate the client and, and, and show them the potential. And, mm-hmm. and it has evolved, right? Like now yeah. clients ask for it basically. Um, not really knowing sometimes uh, how to execute it, but they are aware of the need and, and, and it's easier for mm-hmm. us in that sense, but now we're being asked for more uh, rationale, justification, numbers uh, mm-hmm. right. of why we're doing things. Yeah, I guess that would be my next question about
0: data, right? I mean, we, you've seen the rise of big data and how that is now doing more than influencing decisions, is making decisions for a lot of companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you said you started in 2008 when these things were just starting to pop up and you're having to fight your way through to say, hey, this this Facebook thing is not really a fad, you know, this is going to be a thing. Yeah. Um, can you talk about the role of data, I guess?
2: Yeah, that's. Um, I also have a, some strong thoughts on that. Um, I used to think or uh, getting... Positive arguments, I guess, with planners in agencies, because they're inter- everybody would talk about big data, right? Especially in two thousand twelve. I remember a discussion I had uh, in particular that year um, with some some of our, the planners at the agency, and they were like talking about big data coming out of Simmons, for example, mm-hmm. or or, or so massive surveys. When my perception of big data was at the time, uh, uh, Foursquare, right? Mm-hmm. To, to me, Foursquare was yeah. was the the power of foursquare was not the badges or the ability to check in, but the the data that they were gathering behind it, which eventually was not absorbed, but the behavior was absorbed by uh, the facebooks and 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 just the data behind all the right. applications that we have available today. That to me was big data, right? Being able to put together, which ultimately it resulted, in my opinion, as the basis of what. Facebook's ad offering is, right, mm-hmm. like the, the, the way you're mm-hmm. able to target and the way you're able to kind of identify certain, certain users. So I think there has been a misconception, in my opinion, about big data. Um, um, everybody spoke about it and everybody kind of like, you know, it was the speech of the moment, kind of mm-hmm. like when we talked about 360 campaigns oh, 10 yeah. years before that. Uh, <laughs> but nobody really understood uh, the potential of 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 all those applications that we were using seamlessly and and they were capturing our data. Yeah. They, they, you know, the, 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 the oh, recent yeah. presidential campaign of the U.S. I think is a result of that. Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. So how they used the, the Cambridge Analytica and all that stuff. Well, so now that everyone's clamping down, right, because of what
1: you just mentioned, right, because of how it's it it climaxed, I think, of what we didn't realize big data was doing, right. and now there's been kind of a, a clamping down on that data and a, you know, Facebook is coming out and saying we're not going to use this anymore. You know, there's all these things now. How is that going to affect marketing? Maybe not this year, but in five years, are we going to be relying on it less? Is it going to be a different type? Or what what do you think?
2: Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, I remember, and I think I talked to to you, Brandon, at some point uh, about this, but in the Southwest, I think it was 2015 or 2014, the whole Snowden thing was going on. Mm -hmm. It was really funny because you would go into one of those keynotes or one of those workshops, and they were talking about uh, the importance of privacy and how data was at risk right mm-hmm. and then you would go into another room and you would hear brands saying how they're gonna commercialize that data and use right. that data yeah um, so I don't I don't think it's gonna go away I think it's potential it is a, it is a, a problem like the the, we, we, it, the approach to capturing users data is still a little bit like very chill mm-hmm. uh, and I think we should take it more seriously um, Sometimes brands were capturing data and not, not knowing even what to do with it, right? right. Sometimes it would right. just stay on an Excel sheet and somebody's some planner's right. computer, but they were not really aggregating and stuff like that. I think finally, um, in, in the general sense of the market is uh, they're realizing the power of of this information and they're trying to figure out how to best yeah. use it in a, in a very ethical way. Um, right So that for, me, that, it for tr- me, that's the trick, right? For the it. ethical way, I think. You know,
0: knowledge is power now. We're finding that out pretty clearly. Um, and now we're using things like um, the bike share program, which that's all about literally gathering your data or the DNA tests that everybody's doing that right. they're pushing, it's all about gathering your data. Yeah. You know, in the back end, that's not what they're marketing to people, but right. that, you know. Do you think that in the future, um, people are gonna be more they're gonna be more careful with their data. They're gonna be more skeptical. You know, we've seen this rise of millennials and quotes, I hate to use that, but like these folks who don't believe in advertising, right? How are we gonna see that same swing in data where people are like, no, you cannot have my data. This is this
2: I think my- so. I think I think I think my daughter could potentially grow up to say, hey, why you know, I've I've heard it say several times, did you just put that picture of my of me on Facebook? Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. not being happy about it. She's only seven years old but she's already starting to realize why are you using my person yeah. to Yeah. Show on your on, on your platform, exactly. Uh, uh, but I think yeah, there's going to be skepticism, and I think there's also going to be skepticism about uh, how we use social media and, and what what kind of stuff we put up there. I think we're we're very innocent at this stage and mm-hmm. naive uh, uh, putting it out there. It's it's useful. It's great. It aggregates our stuff. It brings out great memories. But what is it going to do for us and, uh, at the end? And what happens if the wrong if the wrong people get Absolutely. get a hold of, of that? Yeah.
1: Right? Well, one of the things that we'd love to talk about now is we've gone through your history, but I'd love to talk about the work you did during that history. Is there anything that stood out to you uh, as you look back, maybe before RL, is there anything that you're the most proud of in terms of campaign or creative work that I think has has come a long way?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think along the way we've done, um, um, I've, I've, done I've, I've had the opportunity to collaborate with great people and, and, and great work has come out of it. Uh, I think the best is yet to come, uh-huh. um, um, but, you know, uh, at the Este, I was able to, we were able to lock down a couple of canes, lions, working mm-hmm. with an awesome team, uh, with the creative team over there, and, and the planners, and a great uh, public relations uh, effort. Um, we were. I'm also proud of things that maybe did not generate as much noise, but were ahead of their time. Like, uh, uh, in Spain, I started working on a digital uh, kind of like a sports card um, Mm -hmm. aggregator that was shareable and stuff like that. And eventually we tried to sell that to Televisa and and some of the big TV networks and they would not see it. And now it's something that's very common, right? Right. Like Panini, World Cup, like all those experiences of being able to share and kind of capture Mm -hmm. GIFs or digital content Mm -hmm. is is, is huge. Um, So that's something I love. I think also some of the work uh, done here at Richard Lerma has been amazing. You know, the whole uh, Super Bowl um, uh, approach with Avocados from Mexico, just being able to be part of of building a brand that started in 2012, yeah. right? And what it is today, everybody uh, literally that you talk to, oh, Avocados from Mexico, they know about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. With Metro PCS, uh, with your, your team, I think um, it was a a great experience to be able to take um, a property like the U- the UFC or what mm-hmm. we did for the UFC to, to the next level. Again, uh, it was not something that I can necessarily take credit for by myself, but it was just uh, the, I was lucky enough to be surrounded by uh, great teams and, and agencies even that came together and we put together uh, some cool programs. Um, I was going to ask you
0: actually about the avocados work specifically. You guys have won the Super Bowl in conversation the last few years. Um, I'd love to hear more about the process of, you know, um, the client's mentality and how you guys move towards this goal of being number one in conversation.
2: Yeah, Uh, I think it's a very ambitious um, uh, goal and it's also uh, uh, a goal that's driven by the standards of what it means to win the Super Bowl. Um, today I guess um, but yeah the, the, the more the brand was mentioned we were trying to put basically avocados in everybody's mouth and in our mind was kind of like have people talk about it and, and our way of doing it was kind of putting it out there in social media we use the Super Bowl spot as an excuse to create a lot of conversation before uh, during and, and after the Super Bowl mm-hmm. and we just what we did was kind of trying to extend the story of the Super Bowl. You always uh, normally see a spot on TV on the Super Bowl, you laugh, you don't, but you don't have, you don't have the, the beginning of that story and kind of the tail of that story and that's what we've tried to create mm-hmm. and making it a launch path uh, for users to kind of put that message out there and communicate and kind of be part of the conversation. Uh, the goal, I think, is ambitious. I think, um, as the years pass and, and, and yeah. it evolves, we, we need mm-hmm. to k- kind of evolve also in our in, in our goals and see what how we can add value, and that is something that uh, our client uh, Avocados from Mexico is very aware. And at the end of the day, what we want is people to eat more guac and mm-hmm. you know right. uh, help the brand. Well, uh, well, you mentioned the evolution and. We're about a month
1: out, maybe a little bit less from the Super Bowl, and we're not going to say tell us what's going to happen in the Super Bowl, but is there any learnings that you've taken from the past few years of these campaigns that you're now applying to
2: 2019 yeah i I think every year um, we get better and when I say we it's it's a it's a, it's a group of agencies that we lead the digital, the digital strategy along with with our client Yvonne who's who's uh Get her done, kind of attitude, and like you know, very pragmatic but very mm-hmm. missionary. Uh, but the the idea of you know the first year it was it was not as easy to integrate as many agencies. I think right now the the curtains are kind of down, and we're we're very transparent on how we collaborate. So that was a, a huge learning that that we saw uh, as something that would benefit the brand, but all the agencies involved in 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 the process. Uh, I think also the chaos that it requires to just build so much content and so many digital pieces around the agency is something that the group here at Lerma has gotten way better. Uh, The collaboration, there's still tension, there's still kind of running back and forth, there's still huge discussions about what should be done, but I think in general we've gotten better uh, at listening to each other and kind of uh, just getting the point of view, whether it's from a copywriter or... Or somebody in strategy, or, or a brand manager that has uh, uh, a strategic vision, or something like. Really, it comes from anywhere, and that collaboration is sometimes not easy when there's roles uh, that are very defined.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think uh, you know you're talking about all this, all this work that goes into creating all these pieces, and we've seen it the last couple of years. Um, I did want to talk to you about this specifically in that realm. I found this quote on your LinkedIn, and it and it like totally lined up with. What I think your mentality is, and the quote was, "What a man can do, another can do, so do it better." To me, this is this is a reflection of your amazing work work ethic, which I know firsthand because you sit behind me, and I know the long hours you put in and and all the hard work you do. Um, can you just talk about that that work ethic and, and and how that integrates into
2: this business where it's just hard to separate yourself otherwise?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um. Well, I mean, th- that comes also apart from the insecurity, you know, like the the long hours is like uh, I I feel like yeah, sometimes it never ends. Kind right, like, the next like thing I do when you easy. don't know everything, um, which I don't, you need to kind of put hours on research, to kind of talk to your colleagues and folks to kind of make things happen. Uh, that I love that I still today love that quote, uh, and it's I have to confess it's I don't know if you guys saw that movie The Edge with Anthony Hopkins. Mm-hmm. No, uh, and. Uh, and uh, Baldwin, uh, mm. so they're, they, they they end up in a in, in Alaska. Their plane falls down, and they start saying, and "This guy is a very wise man." Uh, that at the end of the day, um, in a moment of crisis, uh, ba- what's the name of Baldwin, the the famous Baldwin? Alec. Alec Baldwin. <laughs> the most famous Baldwin. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, he's freaking out, and he's like, "I not do it." And and, and the guy turns him "Hey, man, what a, what a man can do, another can do." So and it's true, right? Like basically, if if somebody can do if, if, if your neighbor can mm-hmm. potentially do something like yeah. you should be able to, to, to do it and that if you live by that mentality I think um, you become in a way limitless or at least it allows you or gives you permission to try things um, and yeah I mean my, my idea and my work ethic is uh, one collaboration understanding that uh, not one person is uh, you know the hero of the story it, it has to it has to come with different talents but also do not set yourself limits like mm-hmm. try to be right. uh surrounded by, by by talent and uh sometimes I, i'm not as proud as myself of spending uh, too much time in the agency that sometimes comes with uh, oh, <laughs> complaints yeah. at home and stuff. So <laughs> oh and yeah. <laughs> yeah like you know i yeah. you you have, you have your two boys, about, <laughs> right? yeah. two boys yeah, yeah. um but it is a way that, uh, in my mind, I try, to, I try to get it done. Sometimes it takes me longer to do certain things that to, for other guys that are experts in the, in, in the matter would take an, uh, just a couple of minutes. So yeah. I try to put the time to say, hey, it can be done here too. So. Well, with that, I guess, I think one of the things that's interesting,
1: especially as we talk to more and more people... Um, Especially with your experience and your long time in the agency with with more people coming into advertising every year right young Excited people coming into advertising. What are you looking for? I guess in this next generation of Advertisers right you've seen a bunch come through if you're hiring somebody or someone's looking to you for advice Whether it's about work-life balance or it's about the ethic that you put into it Like what what is your understanding of advertising as it stands right now?
2: Yeah, Um, I think As a generation, we're super lucky, because um, hearing my dad, coming back to how this started, Mm -hmm. uh, there was a very set way of doing things. Uh, And you had the big ones, you had the Ogilvy's, the Leoburnet's, uh, all those big guys that had a very strong culture about how advertising should be done, or at least how how it should be defined. And I think we're a lucky generation in the sense that we are the ones that are defining how advertising is going to it, 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 what is it going to become? Mm-hmm. Um, so I would love for people to come and, and have a strong opinion about what, what is advertising, how, adver- how those different tools can be used within advertising mm-hmm. to, to persuade, but also have, uh, without a doubt, uh, uh, entrepreneur mentality, like uh, understand that they will learn coming to a place like Lerma, but they're also bringing a lot to the table from their first, fresh perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, the worst thing, uh, like I, I hate hearing sometimes like, well, that's what they told me to do, right? Uh, I think mm-hmm. it, it should mm-hmm. always be a discussion of, well, what do you think is the best thing to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, in your opinion, what should the line say or what the user journey should be? Is, is that something not everybody or not always the, the higher-ups are mm-hmm. as connected mm-hmm. uh, to, to human behavior, especially when it comes to millennials and now iGen and all that, Mm -hmm. as the new generation could be. These guys are living it day to day, and I think it's something that they bring to the table that is invaluable for the agency and for the brands they represent.
0: Yeah, I think that that fearlessness, right, is kind of what you're talking about. There's a piece there where, you know, trying to keep that mentality of, well, I'm brought here and I'm paid for my opinion and for my skill and for my past experience, you know, to be able to share that without saying,
2: Oh well somebody else told me to, to right. do it this way. Right? It would only make the theme stronger Absolutely. Right? when you voice your opinion in a in a clever way, right? In a smart right. way, in a collaborative way. Absolutely. So I have a question that I want to ask and I love to ask people
0: that I love to ask people this question. It's pretty simple. Oh my god. Oh um, gosh. No, it's very simple. If you weren't in advertising and you had to pay, and you could choose any career in the world, president, uh, T V star, whatever you want, what would your career be right now?
2: Um I mean it's it's gonna be very cliche but like the 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 music scene to me is, is amazing. Like the, the, the feeling of of uh, standing in front of a crowd and make them making them feel something would be amazing and that's something that I would have loved to jump into I love music I love singing although I sing like shit uh, you know um, we're a podcast right we can probably capture some of that <laughs> right. we have a good audio we, we can, we can send it out. <laughs> no let's not. Uh, and I think uh, I would love to do sports I mean the way yep. sports makes make, makes you feel it's very That's similar tough. I think um, in the way of uh, it's just the mentality behind it in both in both sides uh, what it does for your brain and kind of like uh uh, the human body the sentiment the emotions and how you connect intellect in sorry about that intellectually With your mind and body in both music and sports I think it's something yeah. that I would have loved to to explore more and that's that's a great insight I never really thought of I you know music and sports to me is pretty
0: is pretty close But I never thought of it as both being a rock star mentality, yeah. right? they're both on the big stage Doing what they want to do, and I think I think you're a great example of that. You're here at Richards Lerma, killing it every day out on the big stage, and we appreciate your hard work. Yeah, we appreciate you sitting down and talking to us, yes. even though it was a slight ambush. We it's ambushed. a ble-
2: it's a pleasure. No, this this is an awesome project. I'm very excited that you guys are leading this. Uh, I think um, I think it's gonna bring a lot of good thinking, uh, put a lot of good thinking out there that sometimes gets encapsulated within within spaces like advertising agencies, and and also give a voice to a lot of people that that want to be heard uh, and make things better. Definitely, and I'm glad we have that
0: recorded now. That's good, we have, we can, we can uh, blackmail you with that later. Perfect. Is, is, well, there
2: a, is there a place people can follow you? Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, anything um, like that? Well, mostly, like for some reason, I built my digital persona around Chito Cárdenas, hmm. uh, C-H-I-T-O, Cárdenas. Uh, so that's my Instagram, my Twitter. Uh, I still have to build a better blog, uh, I was in Posterous at some time. I don't know if you remember that Whoa. blogging. <laughs> I mean, you got so much extra time, you right? Know, yeah, uh, you so, so no much free time. So much free time.
1: Yeah. None of us in real life. You
0: guys do your podcast and stuff like that. So I
1: should learn from that. Well, Pancho, Cheeto, Francisco, thank you so much for for joining us. This was this was really great. Thank you. Good luck. This is gonna be awesome. <laughs> And that will do it uh, for our interview with Francisco Cardenas, Pancho Chito, anything you want to call him. Um, make sure you follow Richards Lerma on Twitter and on Instagram at Richards Lerma appropriately, as well as any of our work can be found at RichardsLerma.com or across all of our uh, client social media
0: Yeah. And if you want to find the podcast, look us up on iTunes and Spotify, uh, loud and clear. And if you wanna find me, I'm at Matthew V on Twitter. And, and if you wanna find me. If you wanna find me uh, at actually Brandon.
1: If you want to complain about this podcast or learn anything you want to know about Star Wars or the thousand Maps. So, uh, cool. Well, that'll do it. Uh, as always, give a shit.